Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. In a message delivered on May 20th, 2013, Pope Francis said, when it comes to living out the gospel message, the best way is by going out of the comfort zone. He goes on to say that this is it's dangerous. We lock ourselves in our parish with our friends and our movement with those who think just like we do. But you know what happens? When the church is closed off, it gets sick. The Pope went on to say that today's world needs many witnesses, not so much teachers as witnesses. It's not about just talk. It's about talking through your actions and living a coherent life. It's precisely about a coherent life. So when it comes to living out the message of Christ in today's world, the Pope says that the best way to go about this is by getting out of your comfort zone. It's the beginning of a new year and you may have the feeling to get out of your comfort zone and maybe that means trying something new or traveling. Maybe you want to conquer fears this year or make sure that you're not settling for anything less than a magnanimous life. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about comfort zones, about being honest in our relationship with the Lord in prayer and how to encourage healthy vulnerability in your life and in your friendships. I loved sitting down with Maddie, my little sister, for this episode, and I hope that you enjoy it too. So we're welcoming to the show Madison Meridian, who, if this was a normal guest, that name would have taken me a good two hours to figure out how to pronounce, but since it's my maiden name and you're my little sister, it turned out to be significantly easier. (laughs) (laughs) So Maddie's joining us for a New Year's Eve party, which I think is actually really beautiful to be talking about comfort zones on New Year's Eve. This podcast won't release till mid-January, so a little bit into it, but still time for Mm -hmm. a good New Year's resolution. But yeah, so we're sitting here drinking tea and tiny cups of coffee for me (laughs) (laughs) Um, and talking about comfort zones. So welcome to the podcast, Maddie. Thanks. It's great to be here. So before we get started talking about adventuring and comfort zones in general, can you give us a little bit of a brief overview about your story as a Catholic woman? Yeah, um, where to start? So in high school, I went to uh, four years of Steubenville conferences, which really helped shape my faith life. But it wasn't until I graduated high school and started college that I realized that I needed to take my faith as my own. So I went on a weekend retreat put in by our Newman Center. Mm -hmm. Um, Chloe and I went to the same college. Yep. Um, So I... Yep, (laughs) Scobots. I uh, realized that I needed to start living out my faith actively if I was going to call myself Catholic. So when I got back from that retreat, I found a spiritual director and I signed up for a weekly holy hour at my parish. And being able to have a person who could look at my um, life objectively and um, discuss spiritual topics was really good for me in college. And having that weekly time to chat with God helped me to see my life more clearly and also uh, make life decisions and discernment happen. So a little later on, uh, my sophomore year of college, I moved to Orlando, Florida for five months as an intern for Walt Disney World. Living um, the dream. Yeah, Animal Kingdom. I worked in Dino <laughs> Dino Land. Land. <laughs> Have a dynamite day. <laughs> and my faith took a pretty hard nosedive. It was super hard to live out my faith. Um, I didn't have any friends or family in Florida mm-hmm. and... Just being in a different time zone was also really hard. And uh, I couldn't find a good Catholic community down there. Um, but a week after I ended my internship with Disney, I went to work as a camp counselor at Camp Poitiwa, which is a Catholic adventure camp in the Rocky Mountains. 
And it was there that I found a rock solid group of Catholic college students and my faith life began to get like back on track. Um, so now I'm back in Kansas and while it's a better than the spiritual valley in Florida, it's not that mountaintop experience like in Colorado. Um, life is pretty normal, but it's not easy. I mean, I don't think it ever will be, but That's true. Um, living out my Catholic faith is an adventure, but now I have to continue to trust God to, I don't know, just in life. Because I don't know, like, where I'm headed. I think it's really beautiful to see your spiritual journey, like, especially as the big sister. Because it's, it's a little bit similar. Like, I remember going to Steubenville, and Steubenville, for me, was very much that kickoff point for my faith life. But it wasn't until college, and Delectus is the retreat that, yes. yeah, at Washburn University where we went. That's a student-led retreat. was just a really beautiful time for my faith life as well when it came to that community aspect and personal relationship with Christ, which is something that had been missing for my faith life for sure so it's just really beautiful to see kind of the parallels and differences too i did not go to florida <laughs> I, did not, I did not spend a summer in colorado but it's just really beautiful to see a little bit of similarities when it comes to that as well too when we moved to kansas city and had to establish community again and it kind of felt like freshman year of college yep all over again was when i realized how much i had taken community in college especially for granted and so yeah that sounds like a similar experience that you had in florida yeah for sure so you've traveled internationally and like you mentioned before, you've had adventures stateside too. Thinking back on your first time, I remember when you came home and told us that you were going to Nicaragua. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your freshman year of college, which was really beautiful because I don't know, maybe this is just my perspective of how you were growing up and your personality, but I wouldn't have necessarily classified you as super adventurous when we were younger. Probably not, no. And so no. it's really interesting to see you kind of bloom as over that trip. So thinking back on that trip... Mm -hmm. Were you nervous? Was it something? What inspired you to get out of your comfort zone that first trip internationally that freshman year of college? Yeah, actually, I remember sitting in the Newman Center kitchen with our mutual friend Haley, and she was telling me all about this trip. And I was like, you know, that'd be fun to go on. Um, my other option was SLS that year with Focus. Mm. And I was like, Texas or Nicaragua? Like, <laughs> Nicaragua is warm. Let's go there. That's true. Um, but, yeah, I remember walking out of the airport in Nicaragua, um, and, like, the heat just, like, enveloped me, and I heard a lot of Spanish, because that's the language they speak there, but I don't speak it at all, <laughs> um, and I looked up at the starry night sky, and I was like, yes, I can't wait, I'm gonna explore and experience, and I think that's why I eventually landed on anthropology as a major, just because you get to look at so many new people and places and things, and that was really something that drew me in. Would you say that Nicaragua was the life-changing experience, kind of more of that pushing out of your comfort zone? Like Thinking back on my life, I think of that summer that I spent at Prayer in Action, where it was the, mm, yeah. it was the longest time that I'd spent away from home. Um, it was in western Kansas. It was not in Nicaragua. It wasn't that far away, like four-hour drive from home. But just being on my own and having to make those own decisions, I think, was a place where I really matured, would you say? Kind of same thing? I think so, yeah. For Nicaragua. Yeah. And it was great because I didn't really know-know anyone there. Mm -hmm. And so it was like... Who am I, like, outside of my family? Like, I wasn't just one of those Meridian kids. <laughs> I was Maddie. And right. And that really helped me to decide, like, who I wanted to be. You're, like, forging your own path. Or, like, there wasn't an yeah. expectation necessarily based on your last name. Absolutely. That makes sense. Especially coming from a big family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I know what that feels like. Last summer, mm. you walked the Camino in Spain. So tell us a little bit about that trip, kind of the decision to go on that trip. And then kind of what, what did you learn about yourself throughout that experience? 
Yeah, so I went um, and walked the Camino de Santiago in Spain with um, Father Nick Blaha and then a group of other students from Emporia State University. I remember I walked into his office like over Christmas break and I was just like, it's a friendly visit, you know? Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, he had asked me to go to Spain with him. And I remember coming home and my dad was in the kitchen and he was like, so how's Father Nick? And I was like, you know, good. I'm going to Spain. And he just looked at me and he was like, oh yeah, like, sure, that'll happen. It was, yeah. I learned so much on that trip. We spent a month there just walking and... Uh, I think the biggest takeaway was learning how to trust in God. So every day I woke up and we walked um, 15 miles a day through the countryside, the mountains, the beach, the cities of northern Spain. And, you know, every morning I started to walk, but I didn't know what the day would bring. So I didn't know the terrain, if there would be hills, if it would be muddy, if I'd have to, like, cross a creek. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know where we'd stay that night, in a hostel, under the stars, stuff like that. And so I had no idea know what we had to do but I think that applies to like my faith life because we don't know what each day will bring or where the journey will take us but today right now God's calling me to walk and so if I like have to cross a river or climb a hill then he'll be there to help when the time comes but wondering and worrying about what may or may not be ahead isn't gonna do me any good that trip to on the Camino was a trip that was made with others and both of us have been on multiple spring break trips with Father Nick and a good group of people before. But I think there's such beauty when it comes to adventuring, but also adventuring out of our comfort zones with other people. Mm. And we're not meant to walk this journey towards heaven alone um, or to be islands. So what friendships have, have you fostered in your own life from the adventures you've gone on? And how has traveling with other people helped foster that sense of community with others in your life? Yeah, so I think about my closest friends here in Kansas, and we honestly have all met each other in, like, our day-to-day lives. Mm -hmm. So going to class, at work, or, like, hanging around the Newman Center. But I also have friends that I have fostered friendships with through adventure. So camp counselors from Camp Boitiwa or um, fellow pilgrims from the community of Santiago. And I value all my friendships, but I think that's the day-to-day friendships that help me out the most just because they're Mm -hmm. in it with me like through the normal stuff yeah the day-to-day yeah but like for traveling with friends so recommend (laughs) traveling with friends um it's a great way to see people outside their normal element and it really shows true emotions so when they can't speak the same language as the waitress and they don't know how to read a map they don't know which line to wait in at the airport (laughs) um yeah i don't think you truly know someone until you see them stressed and like out of their control of their surroundings mm-hmm. like do they respond to situations or do they react and I think that's a big difference um and it shows a lot about their character mm-hmm. it's not their normal environment this mm-hmm. isn't seeing them at work it's seeing them in a completely different context I remember just talking to friends before we'd gotten Joseph and I had gotten married and they'd asked us like well have you gone on a road trip together and we had had and it had been really beautiful and kind of that same experience like this is not our normal routine and just seeing each other in that but it's also really beautiful for friendships like I've been on road trips with friends and there's something about long car rides that really (laughs) (laughs) and deep meaningful conversations that is just really beautiful and then that memory of being able to have a shared experience of a place yeah together for sure but I think you're right there are friends that we and I think it's like those two different kinds of friendships and sometimes they can be with the same friends like you can have friends who walk day to day with you and also adventure with you absolutely Um, but I think there's just the beauty and a balance of walking day to day which is kind of that normal environment that we exist in but then also friends who 
walk with you through adventures. But you have other adventures too. Like this isn't something like, <laughs> <laughs> like you do big trips, but you also, I mean, you just came back and crashed at our place a couple weeks ago from small trips uh-huh. um, with friends too. I definitely think big trips are great. Um, like I just got back from New Mexico um, over fall break mm-hmm. and then Phoenix last week, um, both with friends and we did an airplane one trip and then a car ride the other. And it's good just because, I don't know, it's something new. Mm-hmm. When you're in a new city with someone who you know, I mean, it's not just the same as, like, living around the same town. Like, we're going to go over to your house tonight and make dinner. Mm-hmm. No, but, like, we have to, you know, find someplace new tonight. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just fun. And then for part of your traveling, for especially these past couple of, like short trips that you mentioned, you're going through like that discernment process of post college. Like, what's that going to look like? Yeah, for and sure. Discerning sure. that as well. So like, different spots and exploring different things. I just, I love that. We ended up in Kansas City for for jobs and for community, and it worked out so well. But I love the freedom too that comes with picking a spot and exploring it. And if it's a good pick, settling down there. We're not made for comfort in our day-to-day life but we're also not made for comfort in our interior life as well so when it's tempting to settle and not strive for growth in our own interior life do you have any tips for how to continue to dive deeper in that relationship with christ or like continue that adventure with him yeah for sure so this is going to sound totally counterintuitive backing up i um am big on ignatian spirituality Mm -hmm. um, especially how he views meditation as a part of prayer So I, instead of inserting myself into biblical scenes or lives of the saints, I like to imagine myself in a car with Jesus. Um, (laughs) But I have a lot of deep conversations with my friends when I'm driving. Mm -hmm. So it made sense for me to take those deep conversations with Jesus while driving. So I sit shotgun and Jesus takes the wheel. (laughs) Um, And I just like talk with him. So I like to imagine different views out the windshield. Like, we're driving to the mountains today mm. or look like we're driving through downtown Kansas city yeah. or just like around my neighborhood. So I do that to like switch things up. Um, or I focus on one specific thing like in the car or, um, maybe on like his hands on the steering wheel mm. or just really little things. Um, but this, uh, makes my relationship with Jesus more normal. Um, so by letting him into this part of like my ordinary day to day life, I allow him to, um, come into a different part of my heart than just the church section. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it seems counterintuitive to bring Jesus into the ordinary as being adventurous, but it was a big leap for me to let him in that area. Yeah. We just finished celebrating Christmas and it's easy in some ways in spirituality to have Jesus kind of be like the elf on the shelf. Mm, yeah. Like the, the Jesus you pull off when you need him, the Jesus that, you know, kind of take down and dust off, especially during liturgical seasons where you're really encouraged to develop your spirituality, but instead he is someone who we're supposed to walk with in our daily life. And I think that's so beautiful. And you mentioned Ignatian spirituality. Yes. Well, holy smokes, there's so many different spiritualities and prayer forms that you can do, whether it's more memorized prayers like the rosary or whether it's meditative prayer or contemplative prayer and being able to work through. I love that aspect of Catholicism, but Christianity in general, just to have so many different vantage points to the Lord um, where we're coming at them from different spiritualities because we're each going to, to talk with him differently because we're called to intimate friendship with him, which mm. includes our daily life yes. and our adventures. And that conversation will look different for everyone because we all have a friendship with him that's unique. So we're, t- so we're talking about comfort zones. So, so far we talked about the comfort zones that you've pulled yourself out of when it comes to adventuring, especially taking that first step with Nicaragua. 
also comfort zones with the Lord and how it's easy to kind of settle in to routine in our prayer life and how to break out of that. But anytime that we're getting out of our comfort zones, it's requiring this vulnerability. Like we're having to admit that this is something scary that we've never done before, but we're, we're still going to go for it. So why is being vulnerable with on many levels, like being vulnerable in your prayer life or being vulnerable with friends or being vulnerable even with ourselves um, and admitting those areas that are that are more vulnerable that can be hurt more easily. Why is that a necessary part of growth? I think C.S. Lewis summed it up pretty well. He said to love is to be vulnerable. Vulnerable? I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's really good. It's so hard to let down walls and show, well, God, first of all, but others, you know, the squishy parts of our lives mm -hmm. where we're so insecure. And it's hard to expose our true feelings because that fear of rejection is just like looming over us. What if the other person or God just turns away and decides they don't want to be involved in your, in your mess. But the much, much greater possibility is that they'll reciprocate your mm -hmm. act of vulnerability. <laughs> That's a hard word. <laughs> yeah. And invite you to like come deeper into their lives. So either way, you learn something about the person's character. You mm -hmm. know, do they really love you, flaws and all, or do they just like the edited Instagram version mm. of you? And I think life's too short to pretend to be someone that you're not, mm -hmm. especially around the people that you love. Right. No, I definitely agree. And I, I love how vulnerability encourages vulnerability with others. I think we've seen this, especially this past year, like we're reviewing, kind of thinking back on 2018, it's one of the big movements that has been a big thing in the news has been the Me Too movement. Mm. And just how it took people admitting vulnerability, admitting places that they had been hurt before to really encourage a movement of other men and women coming out and saying that that had been in their experience as well. Mm -hmm. But if there hadn't been that level of vulnerability, we, I mean, just seeing how that movement has drastically changed news events in today's world um, in this past year, where if there hadn't been that moment of vulnerability, we wouldn't have seen that. Yeah, We wouldn't so have seen true. that happen. Yeah. And there's so much beauty in that vulnerability with prayer too. Again, just coming off the tail end of Christmas, we have a savior who becomes so vulnerable to become to the point of a baby yeah. in a manger. But then to go even further in the, in the Catholic faith to realize that Jesus becomes so vulnerable that he lets us eat his body. Yeah. Um, this, like, who can be afraid of bread? And so our vulnerability with each other or with friends encourages their vulnerability in reciprocation. Like you mentioned, Christ too encourages our vulnerability by becoming vulnerable himself. Like we don't have this great high priest who sits up there, doesn't know what we're going through and doesn't have any idea about the concept of comfort zones. We have a God who's walked in our footsteps, but who also humbles himself enough um, just to really encourage our own vulnerability too, or makes it a little bit easier. Still hard. <laughs> it's still so dang hard, but it does make it easier when you know that you have someone who has your back at that like divine level. Yeah. And I think about the, it's a song lyric from Mumford and Sons new song, Guiding mm -hmm. Light. And in it, the lyric is, uh, when I heard your voice, the distance caught me by surprise. Mm. And I guess like it could go either way because right. it's, you know, it's a song and it's interpretive. <laughs> exactly. But it's art. yeah, I don't know. I think it's so cool to like, if we're like crying out to God being like, where are you? You know, why is this happening? And then he's just like right there beside us. Like mm -hmm. he's not some far off right. cloud right. being, you know, it he's reminds right me, there. It reminds me of St. Peter in the boat where mm. he sees Christ coming and he calls to the Lord and says, you know, if you're, let me walk to you. Yeah. And then he kind of loses sight of where he's going and begins to sink. And when he calls out, the, he, the Lord's right there. Yeah. That it's not something where he's abandoned him or, you know, is, is having a good laugh at his vulnerability, at Peter's yeah. vulnerability. 
but instead that distance isn't something that we or sometimes we perceive it to be, him to be further off exactly than he actually is yeah, yeah. that's beautiful shoot now it makes me go back and want to watch <laughs> or listen to the whole Mumford and Sons album again <laughs> so good so good <laughs> so it's easy to settle into being comfortable We've kind of talked about this in all in all different areas, whether that's our schedule or even when I'm, I graduated from college a couple of years ago, but you're at the tail end of it. But it's easy to sink into that comfort when it comes to college schedules or working towards a major and kind of getting stuck into that routine. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's a career or, or vocations even, especially for post-discernment of those big vocations. It's easy to settle in marriage. It's easy to settle in a religious vocation. It's easy to settle in hobbies. So how do you push yourself out of your comfort zone on a daily basis when it comes to those little things where it's easy to get caught in routine and then kind of become not intentional with what you're doing throughout the day? Yeah, I think we, at least I do, get into the mindset that we have to be in a different location to be having an adventure Mm. than just our normal home or city. Um, But that's not really true. Um, Adventure can be something that we can do in our daily lives if we just have that that mindset. So like trying out a local coffee shop instead of going to Starbucks in the morning or watching a movie that's not the genre we would usually go for. Mm -hmm. Um, It's trying a new hairstyle or going swimming at midnight in the apartment pool. Uh, It's new recipes and deep conversations and dancing in the kitchen. So I think if you flirt with life, it flirts back no matter where your location is. I think it's also the same when we think about our relationship with Christ, but also with our relationship with others. Like we're all called to be missionary disciples. And it's easy to think that when that call to missionary disciples is given to us, like when we're commissioned, that that's something that's going to be for later on when we're older, when we've got our lives figured out and that's when we'll become missionaries. And that's when we'll tell others about Christ. And then to get caught in this comfort zone of like, well, but we've gotten so used to not having to have those conversations or shying away from those deep, meaningful conversations, whether out of fear of what people will think of us or a fear that our story is too much for them and that they can't take it. But instead to realize that our mission field, very mother, like Mother Teresa of Calcutta talks about this so much, like your mission field is to love. Mm, And that's something that isn't something you have to jump on a plane for or something you have to go on a road trip for, but that's something that can happen in our own home. And usually (laughs) it's our own homes where it's the hardest. Oh yeah, absolutely. With our own friends that it's the hardest or with those that we love the most, that it's the hardest to love them with that radical love to, to really be Christ to them regardless of where we're at in our lives. But that's something that we're called to like on a daily, daily basis. Yeah. And I think of St. Philip Neri who Mm. wanted so much to be a missionary and his spiritual director or, was like, nope, like, you're not, you're not going. He wanted to go to the Indies, mm. St. Philip Neri did. And so I think it was in, like, a letter or something. He was writing his buddy. I don't know. Um, it's all very technical terms. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end, St. Philip Neri was like, let Rome be your Indies. Because he lived in Rome. Mm-hmm. And so basically, like, where you are now is where you're being called to evangelize. Like, yeah. not ten months from now when mm-hmm. you're, like, on a mission trip. Or a week in Nicaragua. Right. Like, that's not where God wants you to do... I mean, maybe it is where he wants you. But right now, at this exact moment, like, you're being called to evangelize in your own life. Brother Lawrence writes a book. I name escapes me because pregnancy brain is the worst. And But I'll link it in the show notes. But it's, it talks about practicing the presence of God in that moment. Um, and it also reminds me about the story of St. Therese of Lisieux who is the patron saint of missionaries, who died at 24 of tuberculosis, unknown in a little convent. And I just read a book about her correspondence with a mission priest who she kind of adopted as a Mm. spiritual brother and prayed for him. And he and her talk back and forth about how they have very distinct mission fields. He's 
going to Africa. He's evangelizing to people who never heard the word of God before. She's in this convent where when she's dying, her sisters are like, what are we going to write in Teresa's uh, obituary? She didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, we really don't know her. The, or we don't think that she did anything worth writing about, which to her was great. That's She accomplished <laughs> her goal yeah. in this little way. But it's something where she too was called out of her comfort zone. She too was called to be a missionary. Um, and she too was called to live a life that looked probably radically different than what she had expected. And we know that her desire to be a missionary that wasn't fulfilled here on this earth. And I think we could argue that she's fulfilling that now in heaven or she's not doing any relaxing up there. <laughs> no, yeah, I intercede to her a lot. <laughs> we, we put her to good, good use down here, put her to a lot of work. But I think that's so beautiful because it's, your adventure may not look what, what you planned. Yeah, either. for sure. And I think that's hard too because we we do live in an Instagram world. We live in a Pinterest world. And I'm just as guilty as, I mean, both of us are super guilty probably. <laughs> oh, I have my Pinterest pulled up right now. <laughs> yeah, I was like scrolling through. Yep. <laughs> but it's easy to get caught up in this is what adventure looks like. Oh, yeah. It looks like this mountaintop view. It looks like this gorgeous ocean view from wherever I'm, I'm going to but that's not what adventure always looks like yeah and I'm even thinking back my favorite Disney movie is Up mm-hmm. and the catchphrase is adventure is out there <laughs> but I think that sets the wrong mindset too even like it's out there adventure is mm. away from me yep, like distance. I have to travel to get to it but maybe it should be like adventure is in here <laughs> that's not as catchy but <laughs> <laughs> it is still very Disney though I think that they could definitely get behind that but it's true adventure is something that we're like to to live out of our comfort zones to be vulnerable is something that happens it starts in our heart about how we view our regular life because we but i mean i know you but we know multiple people who who see life as an adventure and like the way that they live their daily life reflects that um versus those who who are trapped in this mindset that no adventure is out there it's something that I'm, I don't want to touch, or if I do, it's going to be over a spring break trip, maybe once in my college experience, and that'll be enough. But we are. We're not made for comfort. We're not made to settle. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all been a continuous paraphrasing of Pope Benedict XVI, which is you're not made for comfort, you're made for greatness. Yeah. And it's easy to settle into that comfort zone and not to strive for greatness or to not strive for magnanimity, which is what we should be striving for. Sometimes we just need a little push. A little push <laughs> off the edge. <laughs> Not all of us are going to go walk the Camino. Probably many of us have it on our bucket list. (laughs) And I'm probably very jealous, myself included. But we all have our own journeys. Whether that's maybe for some of us that's battling an illness or discerning a vocation or discovering who Christ has made us to be in our daily lives. So how can women especially step out of their comfort zones and embark on the adventure that they're called to in this present moment? I think prayer, without a doubt. Um, If we don't have a solid relationship with God... We're basically just jumping off a plane without a parachute, <laughs> which is an adventure in itself, but <laughs> maybe not the one you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think back on my life and I've made decisions where I just wanted to have fun yep. and have an adventurous night and experience life and YOLO. <laughs> and so I didn't talk to God first or talk with him mm-hmm. about it. And uh, <laughs> did it end went, up so hot. <laughs> they went downhill so fast. Um, so yeah, I think even just a quick prayerful conversation with God helps me to realize if this adventure is an adventure I need or an adventure I want and Mm -hmm. when those two things wanting and needing overlap it results in the best adventure yeah especially when that's God's will for your life I think too often we can have this picture perfect idea of what our adventures will look like so much so that we're so set on this idea like this is what my life will look like Mm -hmm. and it has to fit this adventure because this is what I want yeah but then not having that conversation with God and discerning that with him and I think too often we 
think of discernment as these big things, these big decisions. Like, yeah. well, am I called to religious life or I'm going to get married or should I date this person? But uh-huh. the reality is, is that we're called to consistently discern even little things like where we go to college or if we take this job or whether we should go on this trip and to bring those to the Lord because he's not, he doesn't get bored of them. It's not like we're overwhelming him with our small things and our small details that, you know, he's a good father. I think about growing up with, with dad, our dad and how he loved hearing those little things in our lives. And sometimes it was like, ah, okay. Very nice. Very nice. Very very nice. nice. (laughs) (laughs) But he he loved listening because that was like, it was out of our own mouth. It was out of our own experience. And I think that's so important to remember when it comes to prayer life is that he wants that part of us too. We don't have to be perfect to come to prayer with him. Or it's not like we have to get our ducks in a row Mm -hmm. before coming to the Lord. A lot of the times the prayer that has been the most fruitful for me has been the prayer that I'm bringing an absolute mess that I just really need help sorting through versus the times where I've, you know, Oh Lord, it's going to be fine. Or I know you have this and instead be really honest with him. And I think we see that so much in the lives of those people, of our saints, of those in the Bible. Um, I love reading through the book of Genesis and seeing how raw Moses is with God. Oh yeah. And he's just so honest with him. And you see this in Abraham too. Um, whether it's his questioning or his concerns that he brings before the Lord. And that's the prayer life that we're called to have. The one where we're incredibly honest with the Lord about our desires and our wants. Because if not, it goes back to that lack of vulnerability. If we can't be vulnerable with the Lord, you know, the, who created our hearts and how, how are we really doing? Yeah, and I think sometimes we definitely idealize the relationship that they have in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Because they were able to like hear God speak right. to them. And I was reading the book of Genesis the other day um, about Abraham's relationship with God. And there was like one sentence where he was talking to God. And the next sentence starts off with, and 13 years later, God (laughs) said this. And I just was like blown away that for those 13 years, like maybe God didn't have like an actual conversation with Abraham. Like we don't know. Mm -hmm. But there was a period of time where it wasn't face-to-face conversation with God. Right. And how these Bible characters probably had a lot of the same mm-hmm. struggles that we did in prayer. And right. it wasn't all good back in the day. <laughs> back in the day when they walked with the Lord. <laughs> yep. But you see that even with saints. You talk about people who are called to live out of their comfort zone. I don't think Mother Teresa's comfort zone was a dark night of the soul. No. St. No. Therese of Lisieux went through a period in the end of her life where she wondered if heaven even existed. Yeah. And you look at the life of John of the Cross or Teresa of Avila who go through these periods where, I mean, John of the Cross coins the term dark night of the soul um, in the poem that he writes about it. And you have people who are living, you know, we look back on their lives and it's easy to, to kind of airbrush over them and be like, oh, they're saints. Look at their cool lives and look at all the stuff they did. And I'm never going to be like that because that's unattainable. But the reality is, is that their adventure to the Lord's heart was incredibly messy and it looked a lot more difficult than I think we we can see at first glance until we really dig into their lives. Yeah, and even not just like spiritual stuff, but also physical stuff. Um, like my favorite, not saint, is uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio. And, <laughs> saint to be. Yeah, and looking through some of his letters, mm-hmm. he was awful at school. Like he <laughs> failed like so many times. And I think that's just really cool because I sometimes put him on like a pedestal. Like mm-hmm. he is in heaven, like he had everything together. He spent time with the poor and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. But honestly, like everyone's human and we all make mistakes and nothing is going to be Pinterest worthy perfect. Right. I think that's a beautiful part about it though, is that when we are living our lives and we're being vulnerable, we're going to make mistakes because we aren't perfect. But there's so much of a beauty when you have this, whether it's 
I think it's a combination. It's a combination of good community with the Lord. It's a combination of good community with others surrounding you so that you're not alone. And two, a self-knowledge so that you know yourself um, and your tendencies and your vulnerabilities. But it's this beautiful kind of combination that ends up kind of in a Father Alessandro from Holy Spirit used this term over the weekend, the school of failure, where we realize that we can make mistakes and that we're going to make mistakes. And then when we stop demanding this perfection of ourselves, we are really allowed to live because we're not constantly worried about what people are thinking of us and, and what our life is going to look like and whether it's going to end up the way that we hoped that it ended up. And instead really, really exist in these moments of failure and learn from them instead of just kind of brushing them under the rug in hopes that no one saw where we fell down. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's so important, especially in a world where I am a perfectionist to a T I was in college when I was in college, like getting a B would stress me out and instead realizing that no, that's a moment for learning. Like that's a moment where you you know, there is a celebration in that because something like you, there's something to learn from that, which is really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially when it comes to comfort zones. Cause it can be easy to get out of your comfort zone and get hurt and be like, Nope, never again. <laughs> <laughs> Retreat. I'm never going back. Yeah. Not, not for me. But I think it's those moments where when you do get out of your comfort zone and it hurts or when you are vulnerable and you do experience that pain is the beauty in that moment of that school of failure to realize that like the Lord wants to meet you here too. Like he's not just here in the moments where that comfort zone jump goes well. He's in those moments where he's reaching down to you like Peter and like pulling you out because you've gotten your eyes off him. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So getting ready to celebrate New Year's Eve today, but do you have any Ooh. big plans? <laughs> we don't know if we're going to make it up that late. <laughs> I am not going to make it up that late. It'll be, <laughs> I will be calling it a night probably around 10. Which is midnight somewhere. <laughs> but do you have any big adventures planned for the new year? Um, I mean, I'm going to Focus C Conference in two days. days. Yeah. yeah, going to that. It'll be fun. Um, but I think the biggest thing will be graduating college. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm going to hike a 14er this mm -hmm. summer in Colorado. Um, I'm going to take some trips with my youth group kids. Uh, maybe a trip to Mexico somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest adventure will be finding a job when I graduate yeah. and deciding whether I'll move out of state or stay here in Kansas for a while. And it's a big leap either way, but yeah. I think I have to go back to what I learned on the Camino. Um, just trying to take life one day at a time and not worry about the hills that I have to climb until I actually mm. get to them. Yep. So yeah. people are wanting to keep up with you. And your adventures, where can they find you online? Yeah, so I'm not on a lot of social media. My username, I'm sure Chloe can like... Link, these. link it somehow, but it's my best pun ever. Oh, like, <laughs> I still think like, wow, I was so, so clever. <laughs> but it's um, Prime Meridian, like the Prime Meridian. So it's Prime so Meridian. Um, so I use it in Twitter, but yeah, I think I'm funny. So <laughs> maybe you do too. <laughs> you've been, you've had a good week on Twitter too. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I wasn't gonna bring this up, <laughs> but here you are bringing it up. <laughs> yeah, but one of my tweets got liked by Jennifer Fulweiler, um, who's actually gonna be at Seek. Maybe yeah. I'll like, <laughs> hi Jennifer Fulweiler, like you like my tweet. <laughs> That's totally not awkward at all. <laughs> but I love it. I, we talk about like Pinterest and, and during this episode about how it's easy to live in this Pinterest world, but I think there is a place. For social media, for sure, which is, yeah, where my life is right now in terms of being a creative content, content creator for blogs and podcasts, but also for Pinterest and being able to gain inspiration, like not to have it as this pedestal of like epitome of perfection. And this is what I have to look like. All this to say, I think you have one of the best Pinterests that I've... Honestly, though, I think um, 
one area where I can get caught up. So I went to, I hiked in Sedona, Arizona mm-hmm. a week ago. And the Seven Sacred Pools is the one thing that I really wanted to see. Because yeah. I've seen so many like Pinterest photos and they look beautiful. And I get there and it's so cloudy. Like mm-hmm. it, the whole backdrop is gray and it's just like about to rain. And it's, it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. But I just like had to take a step back and be like, but I'm here. Like mm-hmm. this experience isn't going to look like a, their Pinterest right. experience. But I'm still here and it's still an adventure. And maybe my adventure of being rained on while hiking is more <laughs> memorable than their adventure of sunshine mm-hmm. while they were there. Or two, like that is a, an adventure that you're called to live in the present moment now. Or it'd be easy to get distracted and be like, well, this doesn't look like it did on Pinterest, so this is a total waste of my time. Yeah. But the reality is, just like we're all called to live our own stories, everyone's going to have a different experience at that one location. And that's beautiful too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, so to wrap the interview up, a question that I ask all the women who come, and one, Joseph, the one guy who's hey. come on the podcast... How do you live out the feminine genius as a woman who is open to adventure and getting out of her comfort zones? So I'm a nanny and I have these little kids Mm -hmm. that I watch and it's not even like my feminine genius per se, but it was this little girl's feminine genius and she was like four at the time that this happened. But I walked into their house and it was like one of my first times nannying for Mm -hmm. these kids and I didn't know what to do. Like, do I sit down? Do I stand up? Like, who do I help? Da, 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 da. And she, like, ran over and grabbed my hand, and she was like, can you read me a book? And she, like, brought me over to the bookshelf and, like, sat me down and, like, sat on my lap and picked up the book and everything. Mm -hmm. And she, like, saw the need. Yeah, I I think there can be, honestly, ways for a feminine genius in adventure. Just, like, really going out of your way while in a different place or in the same place that you are to just meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be an adventure just to, you know, I make eye contact with the person, like, going down the grocery aisle with you and like smiling instead Mm -hmm. of just eyes down do your own thing um so i think it's the it's the little moments in life that really make the the big difference for us yeah i think it's beautiful like that sensitivity too especially since we've been talking kind of about rejecting that perfectionism i really think that perfectionism is the opposite of sensitivity how you're so wrapped up in this this story has to look this certain way that any person in their humanity and their messiness and can get in the way of that story but that sensitivity that aspect of the feminine genius that really just encourages you to see people with your heart yeah and to really see them at their vulnerable state and to be authentic with yourself i think is something that's so beautiful and like you said like that can be lived out whether it's on a bus in nicaragua or whether it's with your, the kids you need and it's something that we're all called to especially as women but as human humankind in general um just to really be able to be sensitive to another person's story and to our own story too yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Maddie, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Best of luck in all the adventures of 2019. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so good to hear all about it when you crash here close to the airport. Yes, <laughs> always. Thanks for listening to the show. Head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com to check out the show notes for this episode, which includes links to some meditations, the songs that we mentioned, and books that Maddie and I both love. If you have a spare minute, Please take time to rate and review the podcast on iTunes so others can find this resource. And that's all I have for this week's episode. So until the next time that we sit down and visit, be not afraid. Bye.